Hello, beautiful soul family, and welcome to the Walk On Podcast, the podcast where I try to demystify spirituality, personal growth and healing, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I'm your host, Britt Cannon, and this week's episode is called The Silver Lining of Chronic Illness. And this episode is not intended to um, toxic positivity you into feeling grateful for being chronically ill or to diminish the pain and the struggle of chronic illness. This is just to aid anyone out there who's listening, who finds themselves setting unrealistic expectations for themselves, feeling like a failure because they can't contribute to capitalism in the way that capitalism demands. Um, And for anyone who struggles with the loneliness and the isolation of being chronically ill, um, and just to provide a different perspective to those things. I have experienced the struggles of chronic illness and the loneliness and the disappointment and the uphill fucking climb that is existing in this world as a chronically ill person and a mentally ill person and a neurodivergent person and a queer person and um, and while all of those things are definitely at times struggles and <laughs> there have been moments in my life when I wished things could be a different way, the more I settle into acceptance and surrender and self-compassion and the more that this, that I allow this experience, this negative, this like objectively negative experience to radicalize me and to cause me to question the way in which our society is set up to run, the less it feels like a burden and the more it actually feels like a blessing. So listen to this with an open mind and an open heart if you're in a space of like you can only see the negative of your situation i do not want to mansplain to you how to feel i don't want to tell you how to feel i don't want to try to force you into positivity because that just doesn't work here at the walk on podcast we are not here for toxic positivity or um, what in the spiritual community we call spiritual bypassing. This is where you you stuff down your negative feelings um, in order to engage with positive thinking, but it's impossible to really be a positive force, uh, to view the positive perspective because everything has positive, well, I won't say everything, many things have an other side. You know, if you're stuck in the negative, many situations have a positive um, perspective to them, at least um, 
in the sense that you can always, you can make anything work for you. You know, you can make anything a tool for growth and development and deepening self-love, which allows you to be a more unconditionally loving presence in the world. You know, I even say my abusive relationships taught me how important and how necessary boundaries were, you know? While not in a positive experience in the slightest, I have made it a positive force of change in my life because I took the lesson and I applied it and I moved forward um, stronger than I was before. And spiritual bypassing, all it does is save the inevitable healing that you have to do on your path for later. And just because you're feeling sad because you're grieving something or frustrated because things aren't going the way you'd like them to doesn't mean that you're suddenly incapable of manifesting. And just because bad things happen to you don't mean that doesn't mean that you caused those bad things to happen to you by being negative. Like all of that stuff is just like We've left it in the past. We know it's not true. We know we have to feel to heal. We know we have to go through the pain in order to get to the other side. We understand that we are not in a straight line, that we are on a spiral, and we will pass the same wounds and the same lessons over and over and over again. And it is our job as spiritual beings having a human experience human beings having a spiritual experience it's our job just to flow with the healing flow with the guidance flow with the wisdom flow with the experience we came here to experience the richness and the vastness and the multifacetedness of life so if, you're, if you feel like you don't want to listen to someone talk about the positive, the silver lining of chronic illness, by all means, turn this off. Go about your day. Find something that resonates more with where you're at right now. But if you think it might help, stick around. As always, today we're going to start with a gut. Well, not always. Sometimes I get too into the conversation and I forget. <laughs> to start with the guided meditation, but speaking of chronic illness, I've been having a rough week, so I could use some deep breathing and some relaxation, especially in this lower bacula area, because she has been acting up, my friends. So get comfy, if you're walking or driving, just try to bring your awareness to your breath without <laughs> stopping paying attention to what's around you, because it's not about really like clearing your mind necessarily, it's not about stopping your thoughts necessarily, it's not about just looking inward <laughs> to the backs of your eyelids to find some spiritual meaning, it's about presence. You can meditate while you're doing dishes. You can meditate while you're having sex. You can meditate while you're in the shower. You can meditate on a walk. Exercise can be meditation. A good conversation can be meditation. Laughter can be meditation. So just, you know, the theme of the last 
handful of episodes really since my what gender episode the theme recurring over and over and over again what I'm tackling each week it seems from many different angles is the idea of expectations and how sometimes we we set expectations for ourselves and for others moving through this world that are unattainable that are unwittingly helping uphold and sustain the white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchy you know i was thinking today i should add ableist in there somewhere but i guess capitalism is inherently ableist so it's a little redundant but oh i got a big yawn <laughs> Remember to take a big, deep breath in through your nose. Fill up that middle with as much air as possible. Imagine a big balloon in your belly and it expands as you inhale and it contracts as you exhale. Go at your own pace. Don't try to follow mine, but try, if you can, to make your exhale so smooth that it lasts longer than your inhale. With each inhale, feel the energy of the life force of that breath. And as you exhale, feel it go out to your muscles and relax them. I am content with where I am. I am content with where I am. I am content with where I am. I allow as much as possible for my body to tell me what it can do every day. I'll allow as much as possible for my body to tell me what it can do every day. I allow as much as possible for my body to tell me what I can do every day. I do not compare today me to yesterday me. I do not compare today me to yesterday me. I do not compare today me to yesterday me, to tomorrow me, to the next day me. I am born into every day. I am born into every day. meet myself wherever I am each morning. Mm. 
I meet myself wherever I am each moment without judgment and with love. I meet myself wherever I am each moment without judgment, with love. I meet myself wherever I am each moment without judgment and full of love. Take one more big, deep, luxurious breath. Hold for just a moment and then exhale. Thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you for opening your hearts, your minds, your energy to me and my message. Thank you for giving me the space to be myself. And thank you for allowing me to give you the space to be yourself. So, expectations. <laughs> expectations are a motherfucker. There's no need for them. Really, honestly. Boundaries are a different story. But expectations... I don't think they've ever done me a bit of good, honestly. The more I reflect on them, the more I'm like, have they ever served me or have they always been this ever-moving benchmark? You know, an ever-moving benchmark for my caregiver's approval. An ever-moving benchmark of what it means to be successful. An ever-moving benchmark of what it means to be attractive to be valuable, to be worthy of love and happiness. The more I release expectations, the more I release the white supremacist, capitalist, heteropatriarchal tool of perfection, the happier I am, the healthier I am, the more balanced I am, the braver I am, the firmer I am in my boundaries, the more willing to learn I am. Right? If we see being flawed, being imperfect, being ever learning and growing, if we see being wrong as this like fatal character flaw, that means that we're in resistance to learning. Because you have to be wrong in order to learn. And if we're so stuck in ego and imperfection, you know, a lot of people sit in their superiority by pointing out other people's imperfections without ever looking within because they can't stand to sit with their own it's really sad <laughs> so that's my first silver lining of <laughs> of being chronically ill just like in being gender non-conforming in being queer as in fuck you in being my own manifestation of sexuality in, um, in being autistic, in being neurodivergent overall, in being traumatized, like all of these things have served to just squeeze all of my expectations out of me. Because where did my expectations of myself come from in the first place? 
from my toxic caregivers, from the bullies at school, from politicians, <laughs> from diet industries, and, you know, from the white supremacist, capitalist, heteropatriarchy, working through various means and measures in order to brainwash me into hating myself, into feeling like not enough, into feeling like I deserve suffering so that I will sign on to work my very life away, my one life as this being away in order to serve their interests? Fuck that. Fuck that. No. Being chronically ill has really... I mean, it's taken a lot from me. I've... I... I... I don't know if this will resonate with you, but my my biggest pain in the ass, no pun intended, chronic illness is a direct result of my trauma and like the trauma of being in a few pretty heavy like physical accidents and car accidents where I now have fibromyalgia, which is this feeling that my joints are like attacking me all the time (laughs) in cptsd healing circles they call it armoring where you're like constantly tensed as if protecting yourself from an attack you're like bracing yourself for an attack and what it does is it just teaches your muscles through like muscle memory and just like pure reflex like If you do something enough, this is how you learn an instrument. If you play a scale enough times, eventually your fingers just know how to do it and your brain doesn't have to think about it anymore. Um, Choreography, same thing. Like if you practice something enough times, it becomes a sort of way of being for your body where it becomes an automatic process instead of a like manual, I have to think about this process. And that's what has, become of my joints and muscles is that they're in a constant state of tense Um, and it takes a lot of work on a daily basis for me to relax and usually just as soon as I get one thing relaxing something else is tensing up this causes a lot of issues with sleep um, a lot of issues with like being quote-unquote productive and like contributing to capitalism, exercising the way that diet culture wants me to exercise in order to be the size. And like the, the I, I keep wanting to say quote unquote, like ugh, my last episode, I said it like a thousand times, quote unquote, but sarcastic bunny ears fucking fit enough, you know? Like I, I have always been a perfectionist. I was raised by... <laughs> like a really um lazy stage mom like this isn't my mom this is my grandmother but she like had the all the energy and the like pressure of a stage mom without actually like taking me to any kind of lessons and getting me on stage so i um I, in order to please her and to get her validation and her praise, I became hyper-perfectionistic. If you factor in also, like, just various parts of my astrological chart, um, 
like my repetitive play as far as autism like all these things resulted in a perfect storm of me being as perfect as possible at every moment in public like when i was around people i seemed to be someone who really had their shit together you know really good grades like in all the clubs did all the stuff that you're supposed to do in order to get into a good college like all the extracurriculars all the leadership roles everything the right you know like i barely ate <laughs> i was just like killing myself um in order to be this like hyper people pleasy idea of like the white supremacist capitalist heteropatriarchal world thought a woman should be and every so often i would experience what in the autism community we like call a burnout like i would just have to fall off the face of the earth stay in my comfy comfy bed eating like pretty much exclusively potato skins and watching tv to like recharge my batteries so that i could get out there and do it again it's this series of like masking barely holding it together seeming like i'm doing a good job one thing falls through the other thing falls through something else falls through and then i just collapse in a feeling of failure and depression and lack of fulfillment and a lack of reciprocity in my relationships because the only people who um who will allow someone they love to people please are abusers like like someone that loves you will be uncomfortable someone that really loves you will be uncomfortable with you bending over backwards or violating your own well-being in order to make them happy so it's a red flag if someone like willingly and happily and joyfully expects you to abandon yourself for their benefit and this goes for bosses and jobs and systems as well big red flag no 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 and that's why unpacking these expectations is really important and why in my own life in my own experience being chronically ill has helped me in this because <laughs> i got to a point you know like as my symptoms started showing up around the same time actually that my that i started to become aware that i had been traumatized and that the way that i was moving through the world and the the emotions i was experiencing like that that my my life so far had not been in any shape or form normal or healthy i started to realize i had a drinking problem i started to realize i other people had much happier experiences than me had a much easier time navigating the world and relationships that i was like meeting and falling for one incredibly toxic person after another i was seeing my what i always perceived as like my perfect happy like ride or die fucking family fall apart like one person's life fall apart after another abandoned by one person after another just like everything crashed at once and so did my health um it started with like some really intense fatigue uh then <laughs> this hilarious and not at all funny thing started happening where like 
something would hurt on my body and then I'd be like, oh, that sucks, but it'll go away. And then it never did. And then something else started hurting and I was like, ah, that sucks, but it'll go away. And it never did until eventually around my 30th birthday, my entire body felt like it was on fire from the inside out. And this all started, I was like 24 and I am now about to be 34. So it's been about 10 years of like having this snowball effect of my, of just fibromyalgia. That's not even to mention the like, whatever's going on my reproductive track, um, as far as like cysts and fibroids and maybe endo. And you know, it's not, there's like a lot of stuff going on with me. And this is just like getting older too. If anyone's in their early twenties, like welcome to hell kid. It's worse from here every day. <laughs> um, but with every, you know, I talk a lot about spoon theory and like this, this chronic illness community idea of like spoons and how everyone starts the day with a certain amount of spoons and some people who are like able-bodied and like neurotypical and have their shit together and have an experience much hardship in life like they start with a good like 30 spoons and someone with a really um intense chronic illness who's also traumatized who also is maybe autistic or something like they might start with four so it's like certain things take spoons you know maybe taking a shower takes a spoon maybe it also gives you a spoon i don't know it depends on how you feel about it eating and cooking a meal cleaning up talking to a friend going to work like some activities give you spoons some activities take spoons but if you're if someone's starting with 30 and someone else is starting with four those are totally different experiences that should inspire totally different sets of expectations and also sometimes you have 30 and sometimes you have four. Like it's not like if you're someone who starts with 30 spoons every single day you have 30 spoons. Like what if you have the flu? What if someone close to you dies? What if you just have a bad day at work? Like what if someone's rude to you? You know what I mean? There's just like, what if a bird poops on you? <laughs> it's Expectations should be malleable if you have to have them at all. Um, but realizing that I was starting the day with less spoons than most people inspired in me compassion for myself. It made me go, ah, this explains why I have a hard time working full time because I only have so much energy. And if I work, like for, for example, when I was like 26, I think I was working at a, a daycare. When I got to to work in the morning, I would have to climb a bunch of flights of stairs. I would have to watch um, children four years to infants all day long, picking them up, changing their diapers, making them food, like playing with them, whatever, like just constantly on, constantly on, constantly paying attention, constantly moving, constantly up and down. Um, and then when I got home, I was so sensory overloaded and so physically exhausted and in so much pain that I would pretty much have to like, if I had to stop anywhere on the way home, I would stop, like I would stop on the way home, I would get home, I would cook dinner, I would eat dinner because the second I sat down, I was not getting up again. 
every second of my weekend and of my time off work was devoted to recovering from work. And I would also have to take a lot of days off because I would just, there would just be some days where I just couldn't do it. Or if I pushed myself beyond that point, I would literally, because my immune system is like fucked. So if I got too stressed or too overtired or had too bad of a flare up, then I would get strep throat or the flu or, or a sinus infection or any number of other issues. And it's like this perfect circle where if I get sick, I have a flare-up. If I have a flare-up, I sometimes also get sick. So what started happening was I started realizing, ah, I don't have as many spoons as everyone else. So maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself when I simply can't. When I break down, when I crumble, if I have to spend a whole day in bed or a whole week in bed. Obviously, this is... I've been pretty lucky in my life in that for a long time I had a partner who like, you know, sort of just like let me live with him without paying rent. Slash, <laughs> I would just quit or get fired from a job and then it would take me a long time to find a job again. So in my periods of burnout, I had a place to live, I had food to eat, I was very lucky in that capacity, but so this kind of like forgiving yourself and giving you yourself what you need is not, I understand, available to everyone. And there have definitely been times in my life where it wasn't available to me, and those times were much harder. But what I didn't, even when I did have to force myself to go to work or be homeless, um, I still forgave myself. I, I tried, or let's, let's put it this way. I am forever working towards a state of being that is not beating myself up. So if I catch myself being hard on myself, I decide instead to go a different way, which is loving myself. You know, I give myself what I didn't have as a child, which is someone loving me and comforting me and telling me it's okay and explaining to me that not everyone is on all day, every day, that actually everyone has a hard time with full-time work and everyone feels like they're constantly recovering from their time at their job and everyone has days where they get it completely wrong and they're too tired to function and where they need to just call out or they feel like they're gonna cry. Like everyone experiences these emotions and that the system itself benefits from us pretending that we don't and in making each other and ourselves feel bad about not really being capable of like handling all this without burning out, without taking breaks, without having a rest and without just like occasionally breaking down. Um, and so I guess like <laughs> all of that to say, being radicalized, being anti-capitalist is a huge part of the silver linings of being chronically ill. Like you live in a system that tells you you're worthless if you can't contribute to it. 
You live in a system that tells you you should be able to, expectations, should always means expectations, you should be able to get up off your lazy butt and go to work every day and earn an honest living. Like, that's really what, like, people really think that people on disability and social security are mooching off the system. When A, it's hardly enough to live on, <laughs> much less live luxuriously. And B, like, we didn't come to this planet to work until we die. Like, we just didn't. That's wrong. Like, I feel like it's one of the most evil things someone can do is profit heavily to the point where you're allowed to blast off into motherfucking space while the world is burning while people are dying daily from a global pandemic the likes of which we've never seen before while places are on fire there's massive flooding like if you can suck the life force energy literal years off of people's lives in order to take a fun little vacay up to space, there's something fucking wrong with you, and I hope there's a hell because I hope you burn there, <laughs> honestly. And that kind of radicalization only comes from knowing the marginalization of not being able to survive in this system into being someone who just can't. Like, I can't help it. I can't help that I grew up traumatized I can't help that the things I went through made my body not function properly and literally attack itself. I can't help that I wake up more tired <laughs> than most people after not sleeping for a few days if I just don't sleep one day. You know what I mean? I can't help that I'm oversensitive to light and sound and other people and smells and crowds. I can't help it. I'm just built this way. I happen to think I'm pretty great. For example, <laughs> I do stuff like this podcast because I can lay on my couch and do it. I can write because I can lay in bed and do it. I have been available to to learn meditation, to do yoga, because if I don't do yoga, uh, I have a flare-up. And so this connection to the spiritual has been naturally nurtured by my chronic illness and my mental illness and like my neurodivergence. Like these things have all contributed to make me able to voraciously intake knowledge so that I can spit it back out <laughs> to hyperfixate and focus on my interests and what will hopefully eventually be a career it's what's allowed me also to to foster you know what you give yourself is what you give others so the compassion I've been able to, to learn to give myself, I also give to others. The adjusting of expectations that goes on inside me, I also can give to others. Like, so this is another silver lining boop, 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 of chronic illness, which is also a negative. Like this is 
objectively a negative experience, but again, in my own life, I have taken it and made it into something positive or just decided to look at it as positive. Um, which is that because of my chronic illness, I am sometimes not super reliable. I can make plans with you two weeks ago, but on the day that our plans are supposed to take place, I can be having a level 10 flare-up and won't be able to get out of bed all day. <laughs> um, and we'll have like this intense brain fog where I can't think straight, much less hold a conversation. Because of how spoons work, if I'm in an incredible amount of pain, a lot of my autism masking goes out the window and I have like a very blank facial expression, a very flat tone, and I'm just like, I just am not up to a social interaction. Like it's not even a matter of like, I don't feel like it. It's just like, I can't muster the energy to like be a person. Um, so my bailing on plans is not because I want to, it's not because I want to hurt anybody's feelings, it's not because I like jerking people around or ruining their day or ruining their life or ruining their plans. Um, it's not that I'm trying to be a bummer, it's not that I'm avoiding anyone, it's just that I can't. Many times it's something I'm very much looking forward to that it makes me really sad to have to cancel or to not show up for or to like, I hate disappointing people. I'm a people pleaser, y'all. I don't like that feeling of someone being disappointed in me. I don't like the feeling of hurting someone I love and care about. But more often than not, especially with able-bodied and or neurotypical, more neurotypical people, they take it extremely personally. Like, no Benny of the doubt, no uh, chance for explanations, like, no adjusting expectations, no compassion, no fucking empathy, just like, you're doing this to hurt me, and now I'm mad at you, you're a bad friend, partner, coworker, employee, whatever, like, you obviously hate me, <laughs> I'm gonna take this personally and run with it and hold this grudge against you forever and come up with a million reasons why this makes you an inherently shitty person. Like, I cannot tell y'all how many times this has happened to me in my life, not just when I was a kid, not just when I was a teenager, like, a few months ago, <laughs> this happened to me, and... It's really frustrating because, because of my experience and my unpacking of my expectations and my ability to give the Benny of the doubt or be compassionate, when someone bails on me a thousand times because they don't feel good or because they're depressed or because they're anxious or because like, whatever, they just need a day to themselves, I never get mad. I promise everyone I love up front, day one, I will never get mad at you for canceling plans. Because I won't. A, anything I want to do, I am like an individual enough person to be able to do it on my own. So if I have plans to do something with someone else and they bail on me last minute and I still want to do it, I will go do that thing. Unless they don't want me to, it's like a thing we're supposed to do together. And then in which case, I wouldn't want you to push yourself. I want you to take care of yourself. So hell yeah, we'll reschedule. <laughs> Not that big a deal. 
I always also tell everyone I love, I will never get mad at you for doing what's best for you because I understand because I've thought about it and because I'm like an emotionally mature person who works on my shit and I'm not just walking around in the world like a damn, you know, old school projector just flashing my wounds onto everyone I encounter. I work on it. I'm self-aware. Increasingly self-aware, I'll say. Um, it doesn't... It just doesn't bother me. But this is because I know what it feels like to have to come to terms every day that your body is fallible. You know, come to terms every day that there are some people who can just like get out of bed, move through the world, go on a jog, do some chores around the house without feeling pain, you know, without really suffering and struggling through it who don't have to decide, like, can I feed myself or can I shower, you know? <laughs> who don't have to lose jobs and worry about money and not be able to, like, marry their partner um, because how will they be able to, like, provide for themselves because of, like, disability benefits or who don't have to feel like a burden because they can't work and someone else has to take care of it. Like there are just people who who have it objectively easier and like that's a tough thing to have to live with. It's a tough thing to have to live with society. For example, when COVID happens, being like, well, it's just people with pre-existing conditions that die from it. Literally telling people with very little concern for like how evil a statement this is, that they're disposable that they're worth losing, that their safety isn't important, and that their quality of life isn't important. Like, you just live with the knowledge that society at large doesn't consider you like a whole human being, like worthy of love and respect and support and worthy of like a good and, and worthwhile and like full life. One time I was hanging out with someone I used to know and they have a friend who has um, a really sort of like debilitating chronic illness and this person like cancels plans a lot and and they'll cancel plans like you know sometimes cancel on someone and not cancel on someone else or like repeatedly cancel on one person but seems to prioritize someone else and this person I was hanging out with was like talking so much shit about this friend who was chronically ill for doing this and implying that they might be faking it or that it's like clearly personal to them because they don't bail on their other friends and just like and I was just sitting there listening to this being like ooh this is gross and that's the silver lining I'm getting at is that your limitations will show you who to keep around. Like, your limitations will sharpen the sword of your discernment. Because anyone who throws a, a tantrum because you cancel on them, because you're not able to follow through on something, because you're, you have a flare-up, because you're sick, because you, you don't have the spoons to do something, like... 
anyone who freaks out on you for that, A, is it, it is probably projecting a little hard on you and like isn't self-aware enough to realize where their, um, their extreme reaction is coming from. But it just shows you, you know, it shows you who's emotionally mature. It shows you who can take responsibility for their own feelings. It shows you who actually loves you unconditionally in like a positive regard. It shows you who is able to accept and and um, participate in and encourage your boundaries. It shows you who's concerned for your well-being. It shows you who's independent. It shines a light on who's toxic. And I think everyone needs their discernment sharpened and everyone needs practice laying boundaries, but we get the gift of not having any other choice. We get the gift of, of a limitation which some people understand right away. You know, when I first met my partner, we were friends for like two years, a year and a half before we started dating. And she just got it. Like she didn't ever hold a grudge against me. She didn't ever freak out because I canceled on her. She didn't ever like act annoyed if I couldn't walk as far or like I needed to modify our plans to accommodate how I was feeling. Like never a negative word. And, and that was mutual, it was going both ways. And so that became a green flag for her that, oh, this is someone that I can like safely invest time in. This is someone who I can continue having in my life and trust that she won't flip the script on me and, and um, you know, just, just use my limitations as a reason why I'm unworthy of love. Like, we get the benefit of, of if you can, you know, stopping that, that impulse from our toxic caregivers that says, bend over backwards for me, <laughs> you know? Put your well-being ahead of mine. Like, we get to recognize or see very clearly the people who operate in the same way as our toxic caregivers because, boom, there it is. You say no one time and someone flips out on you and that's how you know. That's your red flag. And for me, that does feel like a silver lining. Of course, every time it happens, it hurts me so deeply. Every time it happens, I feel so betrayed. It takes me like a year to get over anybody who hurts my feelings. Um, it makes it really hard for me to trust again. It makes me really scared to put myself out there and continue trying to build community. It makes me feel like a fraud. It makes me feel like a bad person. It makes me feel like a bad friend. It makes me feel wholly unworthy and rejected and also just really frustrated um, that I'm not heard, you know, that I can sit and tell someone that I'm chronically ill that I'm autistic, that I have CPTSD, um, till I'm blue in the face. Like I can have a hundred conversations with someone about that, but the second it inconveniences them, suddenly they, they don't want to hear it. Suddenly it's just an excuse. 
suddenly I'm a liar and a bad person, right? It's just like energetic whiplash um, dealing with people's feelings about uh, the sometimes unpredictable uh, experience of being chronically ill. And, and you know, after the rubble of one of these explosions, whether I lose a business, a, a best friend, a partner, like once the, reb the rubble clears, what's left are my chosen family. What's left are the people who are meant to stay. And I can honestly say that everyone in my life right now is one of those kinds of people. Someone who doesn't take it personally, someone who's always ready to receive me with an open heart, an open mind, a lot of love, um, unconditional love, you know? People who love me for who I am and not for what I can do for them. And I really think that all of these expectations of like, you will show up for me no matter what, all the time. Like, you're there to be my support with very little reciprocity. You have to go out and grind and compete and run yourself ragged in order to be successful. You have to prove yourself worthy of love and respect and success and abundance. It's about, you know, how much you can put up with. Like, all of these... If you just listen to them and, and feel the vibration of the energy of those words in your body, it feels wrong. It feels bad. It feels draining. It feels hard. It feels like not very much fun. <laughs> but if you think about like rest, relaxation, if you think about... I love you for who you are. If you think about you're already worthy. If you think about you don't have to be perfect. If you think about I want you to take care of yourself. If you think about I want you to be happy. If you think about I love you for who you are. You don't have to do anything or say anything or be anything other than that truth. Because I see you. <laughs> and I receive you. Like, that feels good. That feels life-giving, energy-boosting, healing of spirit, mind, body, soul. That feels fun, free. It feels free. Not just free as in financially free, although, isn't it? But free as in... I'm not gonna actively oppress you by upholding the white supremacist capitalistist heteropatriarchy within our interpersonal dynamic. I'm not going to do that to you because I love you too much. I'm going to unpack the toxic bullshit that has been programmed into me by that white supremacist capitalistist heteropatriarchy. I'm going to throw it out. I'm not bringing it here in this sacred space of this friendship or relationship, even like an employee, employer, like it doesn't have to be that fucking toxic. It's the same thing of like someone who's miserable or like someone who paid their student loans or someone who like achieved something by the skin of their teeth. 
um, wanting it to be that hard for the people that come after them. It's like how parents are like, you know, parents will swear up and down that they worked their lives away to give their children a better life. And then when their children have a better life, they're mad at them. It's like, what the fuck do you want? You swore this is why you were doing it. I guess it wasn't really about me then. <laughs> Release it. Let it go. If nobody else in your life is kind, compassionate, empathic, patient, forgiving of you, do it to yourself. Be those things for you. Don't be a bully in your own head. Relax, release, surrender. Rest if you need it. Don't let yourself get all the way to can't get out of bed to rest. Do preempt preemptive rest. Take care of yourself. Do things that bring you joy. Do things that charge your batteries. Don't Hitch your wagon to somebody who, who can only take. Who makes you feel like shit every time you're not perfect. Who has expectations for you that they don't even seem to have for themselves. Like anyone who operates under that double standard bullshit, let it go. Don't tie your worth to work. Don't tie your worth to financial success. Don't tie your worth to able-bodiedness. Because all of those things can be fleeting. Anyone with chronic illness knows this. Youth is not forever. Health is not forever. Even wealth is not forever. Beauty is not forever. You know, like, just greet yourself every day. Without judgment, full of love. Ask yourself, like ask your body, how are you feeling today? What do you feel like doing today? How do you feel about yourself today? What are you thinking about? What are you worried about? What's hurting? What feels good? If you wanna take it a step further, commit to a journal practice where you actually take notes on this stuff. Notice how much you sleep. Notice how little you sleep. Notice whether or not you're nourishing your body enough. A lot of us pride ourselves on our ability to go without, to deny ourselves. Oh, I was so busy, I forgot to eat. That's not okay. Oh, I'm so busy, I haven't slept in days. That's not okay. That's exploitation. That's not self-love. All of the silver linings of being chronically ill have to do with becoming radicalized because your life is harder. Becoming compassionate and adjusting your expectations inside yourself and towards others because life is harder for you. It's in seeing clearly who's upholding that nonsense and who's coming from a place of acceptance and love. And building that kind of community is what's gonna get us out of the trouble we're in 
or at least <laughs> at least ensure that enduring it and hopefully surviving it is is done joyfully and softly and sweetly and in gratitude and in love instead of greed instead of oppression instead of exploitation we have to stick together <laughs> no one's looking out for us if you love a spoonie let them know you love them unconditionally when someone cancels on you because they don't feel good give them some reassurance if someone like repeatedly turns down an opportunity to hang out with you like just keep asking or if you can't leave them alone <laughs> they're better off without you just check yourself check that rejection sensitive dysphoria which i'll do an episode about at some point if you feel a big reaction stirring in you because someone hurt your feelings because you feel rejected because they bailed on you just sit with that for a second and figure out where it's really coming from be kind thank you so much for listening if you like what you heard today, you can follow me on Instagram at Brit underscore that's underscore it. You can follow me on Twitter. It's the same thing with an extra underscore. You can check out my website, www.britcannon.me for modeling photos, my YouTube videos, all the past episodes of this podcast, my blog, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, I hope you go through this week checking your expectations, seeing if they're realistic, seeing if they're even coming from you or if someone else put them in you, forgiving yourself for not being perfect, checking perfection at the door, and just embracing the softness of self-compassion and self-love. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week, my friends.